church to be remembered. We haven't had a scripture assembly on Sunday night in a while, and so um, I'm going to we'll attempt to be short. Usually we try to be short on Sunday nights that we're doing scripture assembly, and we have a, a, a meeting tonight that... Um, Really uh, want to attempt to make that as short as possible as well because um, we have um, a scripture assembly and want to be able to get over there uh, to that. But if you are a deacon, a trustee, or a um, on the finance committee, I need to meet with you right after the services, Brother Dwayne's uh, Sunday school, and um, if you could head on over there right after we're finished. Uh, got a couple things we need to uh, talk about. And then um, we have got to, uh, coming up, got to have uh, a deacon's meeting as well. And uh, lots of things going on, lots of things coming up. We're gearing up for camp, excited about that. And uh, in the process right now, I believe we have uh, 2022 uh, altogether uh, going, uh, including, this, uh, including the four sponsors. So got a good group going, uh, which is a good thing. Uh, the only negative thing about that is, is you got to, uh, have transportation uh, to get them there. And so uh, we are in the process uh, of trying to get some, um, uh, some vehicles uh, rented so that we can, uh, we can get the kids up there. Uh, not uh, so easy uh, to rent 15 passenger vans. I thought it would be a little bit easier than it is, but it's not so easy. And so um, I'm trying to, trying, to get all that, uh, trying to get all that together. Also uh, want to make you aware that... Um, uh, things are in uh, the process uh, when it comes to um, finding uh, someone to uh, come in and, and fill part of um, Brother Forrest's uh, duties. And so um, that process, so I know there's been a lot of questions, but I'm telling you that process is going to be intentionally slow as a turtle. Okay, I mean, we are not jumping into anything. We're not going to hurry into anything. Uh, We have been very, very blessed uh, with a bunch of people in our church who have stepped up and stepped into positions um, and and helping. And um, that's just been a blessing. And I'm just thrilled about that and thankful for it. And um, but uh, I know uh, it would be good uh, to have. uh, that person, uh, but uh, right now uh, some names uh, of people I know have been talked to and prayed about. Uh, I talked to Brother Appleby extensively, asked him to keep his ear to the, uh, to the ground. Dr. Shoemaker, who's in churches uh, every week, uh, for him as well to keep his ear to the ground. And uh, Dr. Shoemaker and Brother Appleby know me very well, and uh, so we have got to uh, two unique things going, and it's the same two unique things in every church. That is, the person has to mesh with me, and the person has to mesh with the church. Okay, so that is, um, you know, that's that's not always easy, and uh, so it's got to be the right person music-wise. It's got to be the right person, um, you know, work-wise. Uh, We've tried a couple Yankees, they didn't work, and so, um, I'm just kidding. Uh, one of them's done all right, he's almost 14 years now, so, um, but um, uh, all kidding aside, we are working towards that, and um, we just, uh, I just want to make you aware of that, 
and um, doing, doing that. Uh, it's going slow, and it's going slow on purpose. Okay, So we've had a lot of things going on at ERM. Now um, Easter is coming up uh, around the corner. Summer is coming up with Vacation Bible School and camp. And so um, uh, church goes on. It doesn't stop because somebody leaves or because somebody's leave. Uh, church goes on. And um, I hadn't said it in a couple services, but uh, thank you to all those uh, that have... Um, that have really stepped up and uh, helped in, in all these places that uh, uh, that need it. And um, several of you have just stepped up and taken whole things off of my plate, and that is uh, that's a that's a I'm very grateful for that and uh, and thankful for that. There are some things that people are doing that are not going to change if somebody else comes in. Okay, uh, I think we've made a mistake through the years. Um, where uh, two people do everything, and, uh, and that's just not going to happen again. And so um, I want, uh, we're all supposed to be serving the Lord, serving the Lord together and uh, finding our place. And, um, and so that's what's happening right now, and I'm just over the moon about it and excited about it. And um, so thank you to, um, to everybody that has is, that is really uh, stepped in and uh, stepped up to um, see the work of the Lord uh, continue and thrive. I thought for sure, okay, with all the families that have left and uh, gone, uh, I thought, okay, camp, praise God, we'll have four or five kids go to camp, and I'm, I'm thrilled about that. I'm thrilled, thrilled for those four or five, 22 people going to camp, and um, oh ye of little faith. <laughs> I'm that guy of oh ye of little faith, and so... Um, uh, families have really stepped up in a big way, and um, serving the Lord um, is great. Serving the Lord together is even better. And um, you know, you just learn some of these things through the years, and um, and we've really learned a few lessons uh, through some of the things that have gone on here uh, here recently. Uh, make sure that you're in place for Easter. We're excited. Uh, Easter Sunday, uh, we're going to have. Uh, um, we're going to have a different people, different groups singing. That'll be our cantata this year. And then we will be observing the Lord's Supper in the evening service. So in the evening service of Easter, we'll be observing the Lord's Supper. So make sure that you're here. Make sure you invite somebody out to church. And we'll have a great time celebrating the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Starting next week, we'll start a resurrection series and uh, do uh, several messages on uh, what Easter uh, is, is really all about. Sometimes I think that we forget why we celebrate the things we celebrate. And um, we celebrate uh, Christmas uh, you know, because of the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ, not winter solstice and not Santa Claus and not reindeer and decorations and uh, all well and good. But what do we celebrate it for? As church, and it's God's people, we celebrate it for the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Easter is no different. Uh, yeah, there's Easter egg hunts and there's the Easter bunny and all this other stuff. But let me tell you, why do we as God's people celebrate it? We celebrate it because we celebrate the resurrection 
of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so two big times of the year for our church and um, doing something a little bit different this year. And again, once again, our people have stepped up and stepped in and uh, some people uh, that are singing in groups that said that they used to sing, but I've been here 14 years and some of them I never seen sing. And so I'm excited about getting them involved in that as well. And uh, so uh, I know you are as well. So pray for Easter uh, as it is just uh, around the corner. A church to be remembered. So it's kind of a wind up of what we're talking about here at First Thessalonians chapter number 1. First Thessalonians chapter number 1. We talked about uh, if we're going to be a church to be remembered, we need to be a grounded church. Uh, number two, we need to be a gracious church. And then tonight, just real quick, just for a few minutes, I want to uh, talk about the last subject. And that is, uh, if we're going to be the church to be remembered, we need to be a guiding church. We need to be a guiding church. Look at verse number six, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. And you became followers of us and of the Lord having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that you were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God word is spread abroad, so that we need not to speak Anything And what is Paul saying here to, to this church, to the church of Thessalonica? He's, he's telling them, he's telling them you were, you're an example of what a church should be. You're an example of what a church should look like. And one of those examples is, we talked about being grounded and being gracious, but one of those examples is, is being a, a guided church. Our church and every church ought to be a church of balance. Understand that God always has been, always will be a God of balance. A false balance is an abomination of the Lord, but a just weight is His delight. God doesn't want things to be out of balance. God is a God of order, right? So when we think about order, God is the God of order. And when it comes to creation, God is the God of order. When it comes to, uh, uh, to His people Israel, God is the God of order. When it comes to, to the local New Testament church, God is a God of order. That's how we know when, um, you know, uh, how, how do you know what a member of the church looks like? They were saved, baptized, added to the church. What is that? That's order. God had a order in everything that he did. And he, he doesn't do things just to do them. And he, he's called the church to be guides for not only each other, but for the world. This is what the church should look like. As he's telling uh, the church here, uh, uh, he's telling them, you are examples in Macedonia. You are an example in Achaia. Matter of fact, you're an example to everywhere your name was heard. 
Everywhere your feet had trod, every place that you'd gone to, every place that you had affected, uh, you were an example of the believer. You're an example of what a church should look like. One of our problems in our churches today is our churches are becoming more like the world. We try to look like the world. We try to talk like the world. We try to sing like the world. We try to, we try, all of our, all of our, um, you know, all our things are geared towards looking. What what is the purpose? Well, they say the purpose is to draw people to the church. But I want you to know something about drawing people to the church. If you have to throw a circus to draw people to the church, you have to throw a circus to keep people at the church. Why do people come to church? Now, I'm all for drawing people to church. I remember when I was at Trinity, we used to run a bus route and see Sunday school. And listen to me, if it took a, if it took a candy bar to get a kid out of church, I'm, I'm, I'm all for that. And give them, give them the candy bar. You can give them the gospel and, and share the gospel with them. If they get saved, praise God, a candy bar had a part in that. I, I'm not against that. I'm not against programs. I'm not against giveaways. You know that at Vacation Bible School, we give away some really nice gifts. You know why I do that? There's really only one purpose. It's not because I think the kids deserve it or I think the kids... There's one purpose in me giving those gifts away, and that's to get those parents to come to that Sunday so that we can give them the gospel. Now, some of those parents, yeah, they go to other churches, I get it, but some of them are unchurched. And it's an opportunity that we can get. So I'm, I'm not against that. I'm not against programs and, and doing things like that. But I'm here to tell you, if you turn yourself into the world, then people are going to think, I, I've, 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 always, I've always held to this. And I'm not here to pick on any church and any church that does this. I'm not here to pick on that church, okay? And I don't have any church in mind. But I've always had a problem ever since I went to Bible college and, and, and went through Bible college and, and, and went as an assistant pastor and took my first church, I've always had this asked. Why, why don't we do something like Super Bowl Sunday? My thought process is always this. Now, A, I can't stand the NFL, so Super Bowl, I don't care. But that's besides the point. B, my point is, what are you going to do with Super you're going to draw? Okay, if you have to have the Super Bowl to draw Christian people, heart problem, okay? There's a problem. If the Super Bowl or anything else is more important than God, then there's, there's a problem to begin with, okay? So what are you doing? So you're drawing the world? I'm here to tell you. Let me, let me explain something to you. My dad isn't going to come to church to watch the Super Bowl. He's going to sit in his recliner. He's probably going to have an adult beverage. My dad's not saved. He, and he's going to enjoy, probably in his boxers and wife beater t-shirt, sitting in his recliner watching the game. My dad don't watch the game. I'm just saying that he's not going to want to come to a charge. But you know what we do? We get... Now, I'm really careful, Okay. This is not judgmental against any other church. If other churches do this, that's, that's their business. I don't answer for any other church, okay? I answer for Rankin Baptist Temple. But here's my thing. Be careful of how much the world 
that you're getting into the church. Because the more worlds that you get into the church, the more like the world we look. The more like the world we act. I think there is a difference between entertainment music and worship music. Now, my kids and I, through the years, have had some heated discussions. I mean, heated discussions about music. Some of my kids that aren't my kids have had some heated discussions over, over music. Because music is a very emotional thing. We all have different views when it comes to music. So I think when you go to a concert, I'm not saying a concert can't be worshipful. I'm not saying that. Don't come to me afterwards, Drew, because I'm not going to talk to you about it. I'm not saying it can't be worshipful, okay? But let me tell you something. When you go to a concert, what, what are you generally going to a concert for? To be entertained. I'm here to tell you. I mean, they've got... You know, it's, it's loud. The center, the center of the music is, is the actual music, right? And, I mean, everybody's having a great time. I mean, they've got food. They've got drinks. And it's all sorts of entertainment. Whether that entertainment is Christian music or country music, I don't care what kind of music it is, it's entertaining music, right? So there's nothing wrong with that. You, you go and, now, you can go and it can be worshipful and it's great. <laughs> You can also be deaf, too, if you've ever been to one. I mean, whether it's Southern Gospel or Contemporary or whatever you want. I mean, it's so loud, you can't even, you know. I, I said, I told Kyle, Kyle, Zach, I love Zach Williams. Okay, I just, I just, I'm not a very big contemporary Christian music guy. But, man, I like the, I like the artists that back up with their life what they sing. There's not a whole bunch of them out there. And I don't care what genre you pick. But Zach Williams is one of them. I mean, he is, I just, I just, I just, I just love him. I love most of his music. And I told Kyle, because we've been to a couple times, almost, almost, almost went to a concert a couple times. And um, the COVID knocked out one of them. And the second one, we had the fish fry. So I picked the fish fry, okay? But anyways, so we didn't go. But I told him, if we ever go, I'm bringing earplugs with me. Because I guarantee I could put earplugs in and still hear him loud and clear. Or anybody else is singing with them. So I know that there are different things for different people and for different churches. But if you're not careful, and if we're not careful, we'll become more like the world than like Christ. God has not called us to be like the world. God has called us to be like Christ. He's called us to be Christ-like. What does that mean? I've had people say to me before, uh, I'm a Christian. And I I think to myself, okay, you're not supposed to be be judgmental. I, I, I get it, right? But let me tell you something. My wife has showed me your Facebook. I'm not talking about anybody in here. I'm talking about these people that, said, that claim to be Christians. You never show up to church. You, you never read your Bible. You never pray. Now, listen to me. I'm not saying you're not saved. Because that's between you and God, and that's a hard issue. But being saved and being Christian, you know, are two different things, right? I don't think everybody knows that. I don't think anybody understands that. What is it to be Christian? What is it to be a Christian? It, it means to be what? 
Christ-like. When, when they called them Christian at Antioch, do you remember that? It wasn't a, it wasn't a, it wasn't a, a accommodation. It was like, you're just like that Jesus guy. That's what they were saying. You remember when Peter denied the Lord and he died on the Lord the first time? And they said, no, 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 you look like him. You died him the second time, no, 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 you talk like him. Listen, you can't deny him. Some of you have children that you, if you wanted to, you couldn't deny them. They look, you look, they look just like you. I mean, it looks like, you ever said that before? You ever said, man, it looks like she spit her right out of her mouth. I mean, they just look at it. And listen, you know why they called him that in Antioch? You know why they recognized Peter? Because they looked and talked and acted like, not the world, not the Sadducees, not the Pharisees, not the Essens. Who do they look like? They looked like Jesus. That's what it means to be a Christian. As we look like Jesus, we act like Jesus. You know what I want my neighbors to see? I pulled out tonight. I pulled out of my driveway tonight. And anytime my neighbors are outside, I always make a point to wave. I want them to know I'm headed to church. That's, that's where I'm going. Because let me tell you something. It's important to our family. Reading the Bible is important to our family. Walking with the Lord is important to our family. That doesn't make us perfect, but it makes us more like Jesus. And God wants His church to be more like Him and not more like the world. And so how can we do that? By being a guiding church. I want to give you these three things. And literally, we're going to be done here in about five minutes because I want to have time to go over and... and um, and, and be, the, uh, be over there in the, um, uh, uh, the fellowship hall for, for Scripture Assembly, okay? So let me give you these three things. Um, Drew, go over and tell them we're only going to be about five or, five or ten more minutes, just so they know that Matt's long-winded. Um, so I'll tell them ten minutes, and I'll be done at 30. But just, to, just, just tell, tell them we're going to be about ten minutes. Okay, so, um, so guiding. We need to be a guiding church. How do, we, how do we do that? Okay, He talks about that verses 6 and 7 as he's an example, not only to Macedonia and Achaia, but as he's an example, uh, everywhere their name is heard. You know, it's interesting, Paul makes that statement where he says at the end of verse, uh, verse, number, uh, verse number 8, so that we need not to speak anything. What does that terminology mean? Let me tell you what it means. It means they've already heard all about you. They've already seen the example. They already know because it's evident in your church. Are we a church to be remembered? Think about this when it comes to guiding. Uh, Number one, pastor as the chief guide. Pastor as the chief guide. Think about this verse, 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter number 5, 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 3. The elders which are among you I exhort. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm here to tell you, and I don't have time tonight to go through it, but I can, I can prove in the scriptures that there's no difference between a pastor, an elder, and a bishop. It's all the same person, okay? Now, I know there's some churches that have 
pastors and elders, and they say that the elders are the older, the older men. And I'm, not, I'm not splitting hairs. I'm just telling you, when he's talking about elders, he's talking about pastors. And the elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God, which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. I find it very, very interesting that as... Peter is speaking of the elders and and the one, the elder that's to have the oversight of the church. I don't don't think we need a definition of what oversight means. Under Under the chief shepherd, which is Jesus Christ, he's the cornerstone and the foundation, it is the pastor that's responsible for the church. He's the oversight of the church. And so he talks about feeding the flock and the responsibility of the pastor and, and the pastor shouldn't be doing it for, for money's sake and he shouldn't be doing it to, to lord over his people and, and he should be doing it for the right reasons. But he has the oversight. And then he starts talking about two things that are connected with the pastor being the pastor of the church. What are those two words? Submission and humility. Maybe I'm the only one that finds that interesting, but I find that very interesting. Do you know who has a problem with the pastor being the pastor? Somebody that has a problem with submission and humility. Every time. Give me an example and I'll give you the answer every time. We're to submit one to another and we are supposed to clothe ourselves with humility. Sometimes that's hard to do, isn't it? This idea, and we've squashed this idea through the years, and not me. I'm talking about our deacons have squashed this idea through the years. That the deacons do not run the church. Do you understand that? I hope everybody understands that. And I want you to understand something else. The deacons are in charge of the pastor. That's not what the deacon's for. Matter of fact, a deacon, defined in the scriptures, a deacon is there to support the pastor, to back the pastor, and be there for the widows and orphans. That's what a deacon's responsibilities are. He's supposed supposed to have the pastor's back. So this idea that I'm going to go to the I'm going to go to the deacon and I'm going to tell the deacon, listen, I don't like what the pastor's doing, I don't like what the pastor's saying, go go correct him. Hopefully, if you tell the deacons that, the deacon's going to tell you, um, I'm sorry, that's not my job. It's not their job. Now, if something's going wrong, something is morally incorrect, something is doctrinally off, yes. 
It should be the deacons and should be the trustees and should be any man in the church that should come to the pastor and say, oh, wait a minute. I mean, you just you used to preach on the Trinity. Now you're, t- you're preaching on oneness. What's wrong with you? What's going on? Hey, you used to preach on the virgin birth and now you don't believe in the virgin birth and you don't believe in the deity of Christ. Listen, now, yeah, there's a problem. But otherwise, if there are no moral and doctrinal problems, the pastor is the chief guide. He is the leading guide. And he should be the lead example of what it is to be a believer and leading the church of God. We get it a little mixed up. The pastor is the chief guide. Number two, men as committing guides. Men as committing guides. 2 Timothy 2 and 2. He said, let me tell you what Paul told Timothy. We're supposed to give what we know to people, to, to men, so that they commit those things to men so that they can commit them to others also. So what 2 Timothy 2.2 2 is all about. It's all about passing it on. You see, I've learned some things through the years. So haven't you. Do you know why we have deacons in our church? Do you know why we have leadership in our church? Because this pastor doesn't know everything. I'll be the first person to tell you. I'll be the first person to tell you that every decision I make isn't the right decision. I'll be the first person to tell you. And I'm thankful for people that come alongside. I'm thankful for advice. I'm thankful for people that have been through things that I haven't been through. That know things that I don't know. Isn't that why we are to submit one to another? Right? Because we're supposed to commit the things that we know to others, to that next generation. Stop blaming our problems in this country on the next generation. Stop it. Let me tell you, if it's anybody's problem, it's our problem. Because we, we ain't taught the next generation. We ain't shown the next generation. You know, you can, you can talk all you want. You can talk all you want to. You start talking about how, how, how you need to be polite and kind to one another, and you go into the store and slam the door in somebody's face? No, no, no. It's okay to hold the door for somebody. It's okay to say thank you. It's, it's, it's okay uh, to, to, to tell somebody you're welcome. It's okay to do for others. I know you have to be more and more careful today. I told Wendy the other day we were out and 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 I held the or somebody held the door open for me, which is just very uncommon. They held the door open for me, and I walked out and I and I grabbed the door. And I said, "Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate it." And I told Wendy, "I guess I'm probably going to have to start being careful who I call sir and ma'am." I know we're living in a crazy world. I get it. I get it. But that doesn't give us a pass to act like we like we want to act. We need to take the things that we've learned. Does it, does it boggle your mind how little people know about Scripture? How little people... The things that you learned when you were in Sunday school, a lot of people, grown adults, don't, don't even know those stories. They don't know about Joan and the whale. They don't know about David and Goliath. They don't know about some of these stories. You, you talk to them about it, and they're just... They're just confused because they know nothing about it. Somewhere we failed. Somewhere along the way, we've stopped passing it on. 
This idea that we'll just take our kids and we'll just drop them off at church and we're going to go and you think they're going to learn everything they, they, they need to learn one hour a week? No, 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 no. No, God gave us the church to help us. He didn't give us the church to raise our children. That's our responsibility, to raise our children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord so that they might know, so that they might understand. We've taught our children so that when some quack gets up and speaks or teaches, a little antenna goes up in our kids and they say, whoa, wait a minute. Something ain't right. And not that something ain't right because dad said something right, but something ain't right because the Bible says something ain't right. And how are they going to know? It's kind of like the scripture where it says, how are they going to hear without a, a preacher? Somebody's got to tell them. Somebody's got to show them. You talk about love, we'll show them love. You talk about kindness, we'll then show them kindness. That's our responsibility. Men as committing Guides and then women as communicating guides. Women as communicating guides. It's not true across the board, but generally women are the talkers. It's not a bad thing. Now, I've met some guys that won't ever shut up. I understand. I got it. But generally, women are the talkers. You know what they do? You know what ladies do? Women do? They pass on way better than guys do. They pass on way better. You know what? You know, the Bible talks about aged women. I'm not getting into that. Right? I don't know who considered aged women and who isn't aged women. But if you're over 90, I'll call you aged, okay? Uh, but these aged women, what is he talking about? He's not talking about, we're not talking about their age. He's talking about their maturity in Christ. They teach the younger. They show the younger how to love their husbands. They show the younger how to raise their children. They communicate those things. You see, when you watch and you see somebody, you ever done this, maybe even in a store, you see a kid who's just absolutely pitched a fit? I mean, when you went to eat, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness gracious. You ever sit behind somebody? You can't even hardly enjoy your meal? Liam. If Liam's name was used once, Liam's name was used 27 times. Liam, you want to do this? Liam, you want to go there? Liam, this, this train is in Cincinnati. Liam, this is like, he's like three, two or three. He doesn't know where Cincinnati is. Liam, you want to do it? Liam, 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 Liam. And I just eat your food fast so we can leave. So these cup, this couple, they were, they were out there. Anyways, so we leave. <laughs> On our way home, we stopped at a store. And I kid you not, there's Liam. Walking into that store, I said, I'm going to bust through the door and I'm going to say, hey, Liam. And the parents are going to freak out, right? But I did it. But I went in there and it was another 27 times. Liam this and Liam that and Liam, 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 Liam. And I was talking to the, they left, they didn't buy nothing, they left. And I was talking to the owner. She had, um, she had some ammo, which they call something incognito on Facebook. I don't remember what they call it. She said you get kicked off. What do they call it? Yeah, freedom, freedom Tic Tacs or something. I, I remember what they called them. They call them freedom something anyways. And so I'll, I'll take some of them Tic Tacs. And so uh, I, bought, I bought some, and we were talking about raising kids. And the mother of Liam, now I don't know their name, but I'll never forget Liam. The mother of Liam 
says to him, while I was in the back, because the lady came back after they left to check her store, she said, now I told you, Liam, when we came in here that you would find things that you can play with. And he's taking stuff off the shelf and rolling it around the ground and writing on stuff. And thinking to myself, somebody, this is what I thought. Well, first thing I thought, I won't say. The second thing I saw, I thought to myself, somebody hasn't taught them. And this is what me and this owner were talking about. She was, a, she was an aged lady. Me and this um, lady were talking about it, and she And she said, man, the way I raised my kids... And you see what's happened through the years is we, have, we may have done it right, right? We raised our kids and we raised them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. But somewhere along the way, we have forgotten. As our kids get out of the house, we go, done with that. But we're supposed to take what we know and what we believe and commit it to the next generation. How in the world are they going to know unless we tell them? How in the world are they going to see unless we show them? God has called our churches to be grounded churches. He's called our churches uh, to be gracious churches. And He's called our churches to be guiding churches, to help guide one another through this life to help each other get through the difficulties, to get through the problems. Hey, you've got a snag? Let me tell you what worked for me. Let me tell you, tell me what, let me tell you what I did. Not in arrogance, or need to be clothed with humility. Not in, I'm looking my nose down upon you because I did everything right, because I can promise you there's nobody in here that did everything right, because we're flawed. We're all flawed. We all can look back, right? Hindsight's always twenty twenty. and say, well, I probably would have done that different or maybe could have said that different or whatever. But what is our goal? Our goal is to raise our children up to be good citizens, raise our children up to be good Christians, to be good, good churchgoers. And so we're sitting here, and many of you, your, your children like mine are grown. Some of you or most of you probably have grandchildren. And what are you committing to the next generation. What are you committing to your kids, to your grandkids, to the kids of this church? Instead of being quick to judge, let's be quick to help and to be there for that next generation. Heavenly Father, we love you. We do thank you for this time that we can gather together. Help us to be that church, that church to be remembered. Help us to be grounded and gracious. Help us to be guiding in all that we say and do. Help us to be effective, not only here in our area, but in Macedonia and Achaia and just abroad, everywhere our name is spoke. I pray that you'd help us to be the church that you've called us to be. We'll love you and thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. Good to see you if you are a trustee.